Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again with another new episode. And uh, this week, I am struck with COVID. So, on uh, this episode, uh, I think will air sometime in August. It's currently July 14th. Uh, I'm going to be recording this particular episode and then another Friday episode, which will air in a couple weeks on um, whatever Friday is next in my list. But both of those will have this lovely raspy voice. Uh, I just wanted to record this one first before I got to that one. So, but uh, here we are. You know, I'm a weekend and uh, we're still going strong. My wife and the kids all got it, but uh, they all seem to be on the up and up. I'm seems to be lingering a little bit, but I will get there eventually. And I'm just thankful for those who know. Uh, for your prayers and uh, well wishes. So enough with that. Uh, I do apologize though ahead of the game because my voice will probably be raspy or um, a little bit, you know, groggily, if you would. But uh, I'll try to do my best at keeping uh, those issues or those sounds and whatnot like out of the show. So, all right. So we're here again, looking at the Lord's Supper. And if you've been following these last few episodes, we've looked at scripture. We've unpacked uh, a few major passages surrounding the Lord's Supper, the institution. We looked at the Luther versus Zwingli at the Marburg Calloway. Last week, we looked at some early church fathers, which uh, as I admitted on the show, there were some comments that could certainly lead into some false teachings or false heresies. And so while it's most certainly important for us to look at the early church fathers, we also have to be um, very careful with how we take everything they say and and apply it. Is there wonderful wisdom there? Absolutely. And I think we should always read their writings because they they have wisdom that 
you know, is, is so profound because they were only a few generations removed from the apostles. And so I, I just urge anytime we come across some, some of these types of uh, quotes and things like that, that we just stress cautionary because we want to ensure a right understanding of what they're saying. And there was a few of them towards the end of it uh, that was like, oh, okay, uh, that's definitely, you know, a little bit out in left field. And now we're going to transition into the Book of Concord. So we've looked at a bunch of um, text and the early church fathers. Now we're going to look at the Book of Concord and we're going to work through these articles. Uh, the Lord's Supper isn't quite as extensive in the Augsburg Confession, but we will take a look at that plus the confession and all those things that we did with the baptism episodes. Uh, and then we'll probably do a Q&A episode. Um, and then we'll, we might do one that, that talks about the different views, um, because I think that would also be beneficial to see the other understandings of the Lord's Supper from a Protestant, you know, reformed or Protestant mainline non-denominational, uh, the Lutheran, obviously Roman Catholic and even Eastern Orthodox. So I think we'll, we'll do that too. And then uh, we might wrap this and uh, start to take in on some uh, some other topics within the Lutheran theology circle. So, so let's take a look here at the Book of Concord. So we're going to start with Article 10. This is the Holy Supper of our Lord. It's just two simple statements here. It says, It is taught among us that the true body and blood of Christ are really present in the Supper and uh, the Supper of our Lord on, under the form of bread and wine and are distributed and received. And then statement two is the contrary doctrine is therefore rejected. So that's all the Augsburg Confession states about the Lord's Supper. And it should help us to pay attention as well, remember if we would, um, that the Augsburg isn't, a, you know, it's not a traditional confessional, if you would. Uh, if you read like the Heidenberg or the Westminster, they, it, those are, are aimed at going through and doctrinally, uh, assigning answers to questions. Like they will take who's God, what is man's purpose, et cetera, et cetera. What are the sacraments? What is this? What is that? Uh, the Augsburg confession was written, uh, as a response to accusations against the Lutheran teachings. And so that's where the Lutherans get this. Uh, and, and it comes down to the statement that they're very precise and they say, if it, you know, on these particular topics, this is what we believe. Um, but it's not going to be near as extensive as some of the other confessions that would come out later. Uh, and nothing wrong with that. You know, Lutherans are always one to try and leave some room for mystery to understand who God is. So, so that's all that's in, uh, the, uh, uh, the actual confession. But if we jump to the apology, we have a few more statements here. So let's read those. They say this, uh, they approve the 10th article where we confess our belief that the Lord's supper, the body and blood of Christ are truly and substantially present and truly offered with those things that are seen the bread and wine to those who receive the sacraments after careful examination and consideration of it, 
we firmly defend this belief. For since Paul says that the bread is a participation in the Lord's body, it would follow that the bread would be would not be a participation in the body of Christ, but only in only in if in his spirit, if the Lord's body was never truly present. We know that not only the Roman the Roman Catholic Church affirms the bodily presence of Christ, but that the Greek Church has taken and still takes this position. Evidence for this in their canon of the Mass, in which the priest clearly prays that the bread may be changed and become a, the very body of Christ. And the Vulgarius, who seems to us to be sensible writer, says distinctly that the bread is not merely a figure, but is truly changed into the flesh. There's a long exposition of John 15 by Surreal, which he teaches that Christ is offered to us bodily in the supper. He says we do not deny that we are joined to Christ spiritually, but true faith and sincere love. But we do not deny that we have no kind of connection with him according to the flesh, and we say that we say this would be completely foreign to the uh, sacred sacraments who have ever doubted that Christ is a vine in this way and that we are truly branches deriving life from him for ourselves. Listen to Paul say, we are all one body in Christ, Romans 12, 5. We who are many are one body, for we all partake in the same loaf, 1 Corinthians ten seventeen. Does he think, perhaps, that we do not know the power of the mystical benediction? Since this is us, does it not also cause Christ to dwell in us bodily through the communion and flesh of Christ? A little later he says, therefore, we must consider that Christ is in us, not only according to the habit in which we understand his love, but also the natural participation, etc. And finally, statement four. We have quoted all this here. Not to begin an argument on this subject, his imperial majesty does not disprove this article, but we make it clear to our readers that we defend the doctrine received in the whole church that in the Lord's Supper the body and blood of Christ are truly present and substantially present, are truly offered with those things that are seen, the bread and wine. We are talking about the presence of the living Christ, knowing that death no longer has dominion over him. And so some really interesting comments there in the apology. But again, uh, not near uh, as in-depth um, as some of the others there, but uh, they it certainly does its job at addressing some of these things. So, you know, I, I, I really want to do... I really want to apologize because I feel like I'm so monotone and I just, I have no dynamic in my voice right now. I can't pitch high. I can't talk low. It's just like super monotone. And so if this is a boring episode, I really do apologize. And I hope you will forgive me. Uh, it, it really stinks having COVID cause it has messed with my vocals. In fact, um, so today's Thursday night. So Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, like I could barely talk. And today it's better, I'm not near as tired, but it still is not fun. So please, 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 please forgive me. Um, I, I hope you can 
you can deal with the drowning on here. <laughs> All right, small called articles. So we've gone through this uh, early on in the Lutheran um, theology series where we worked through the Book of Concord, uh, but we're gonna we did not touch on the baptism and the sacrament of the altar until this series came out. So we talked about the baptism last time. We're gonna get the sacrament of the altar now. Uh, five quick statements here, and uh, this hopefully should help clear up some misunderstandings with uh, some other belief systems out there that might seem like they um, kind of come in on the Lutherans. So here we go. We hold that the one bread and wine of the supper are the true body and blood of Christ and that these are given and received not only by godly but also by wicked Christians. We also hold that it is not to be administered in one form only. We do not resort to the spacious learning of the sophists and the council of Constance, that much is included under one form as under both even if it were true that as much is included under one form as under both yet administration in one form is not the whole order an institution as it were as it was established and commanded by christ especially do we condemn and curse in god's name those who do not only omit both forms, but would even go as far as to articulately to prohibit, condemn, and slander the use of both as heresy, and thus set themselves against and over Christ, our Lord and God. As for transubstantiation, we have no regard for the subtle uh, sophisticity of those who teach that the bread wine and or, uh, surrender or lose their natural substance and retain only the appearance of bread and without any longer being real bread for the bread is and remains there agrees better with the scriptures as saint paul writes the bread which we break first corinthians ten sixteen, and again let man so eat of bread so that is luther's writing in the small called articles on uh, this particular topic now we're going to jump into uh, the small catechism, and this is, again, a very uh, short kind of breakdown, if you would. Um, there's a few statements here as kind of question and answering, but the, the large catechism is where Luther really expounds uh, the material, so we're going to probably spend the most of our time there. So... Here is the uh, small catechism, and this is what uh, questions and answers here. What is the sacrament of the altar? Answer, instituted by Christ himself as the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine given to us Christians to eat and drink. Where is this written? Answer, the holy evangelists Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and also St. Paul write thus, our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to him, saying, Drink it, uh, all of you. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you would drink it in remembrance of me. So what is the benefit of eating and drinking? Answer. We are told that these words for you and for the forgiveness of sins. By these words, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given to us in the sacrament. 
For where there is forgiveness of sin, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking produce such great effects? Answer, the eating and drinking do not themselves produce them, but the words for you and for the forgiveness of sins. These words, when accompanied by the body, bodily eating and drinking, are the chief thing in the sacrament. And he who believes these words has what they say and declare. The forgiveness of sin. I love that. I absolutely love that that answer because as as somebody who has gotten some flack for his position in the Lutheran faith, um, especially when it comes to the sacraments, like this is like Luther was so meticulous at just kind of cutting out all the fat of the argument and getting right to the point. What does eating and drinking do? What, or how does it have such a great effect? What does it, what does it entail? It is not necessarily the eating and drinking that does anything, but it's those words for you for the forgiveness of sin. And so when I do the institution, the words of institution, I make the declaration that their sins are forgiven by participating. And then when they come to the altar, I hand them the bread and I say, the body of Christ given for you. Question number nine, or statement nine, I guess. Who then receives the sacrament worthy? Answer, fasting and bodily preparation are a good external discipline, but he is truly worthy and well-prepared who believes these words for you and for the forgiveness of sins. On the other hand, he does not believe these words or doubts them, is unworthy and unprepared, for the words for you require truly believing hearts. That is the small catechism on the Lord's Supper. So before we move into <clears throat> the large catechism, I want to go to the formula of Concord. I want to look at uh, these articles that were written here because I think it will help um, hopefully explain maybe a little bit more uh, surrounding this. So we've got um, affirming theses, antithesis, the chief question uh, surrounding this sacrament. And so uh, let's do this. And if we don't get to the large catechism, we'll do that for next week's episode. Uh, I know I said earlier that we'll spend probably most of this episode looking at it, but, uh, you know, uh, rabbit trails happen and I don't know how long I can, uh, keep up the good old voice. So let's look at the formula of Concord here. It is on article seven and it's the Holy Supper of Christ, the Zwingli, Zwingli, teachers cannot be numbered among the theologians identified with the Augsburg Confession, since they separated themselves from the latter at the very onset when the Augsburg Confession was being submitted. Nevertheless, they endeavored surreptitiously to insinuate themselves and to dismantle their errors under the name of the Christian Confession. And therefore, we have wished to report as far as necessary concerning this controversy also. So here's the chief question at issue between our doctrine and the sacramentarian doctrine of this article. There are uh, four statements here. The question is, in the Holy Communion are the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ truly present and essentially present if they are distributed with bread and wine and if they are received orally by those who use the sacrament, be they worthy or unworthy, godly or godless, Believers or unbelievers, the believers for life and salvation and the unbelievers for judgment. The sacramentarians would say, no, we say yes. 
In order to ex- uh, explicit the this controversy, it is necessary to mention, first of all, that there are two kinds of sacramentarians. Some are crass sacramentarians who set forth in clear German words that they believe in their hearts, namely in the Holy Supper, that the Holy Supper only bread and wine are present, distributed and orally. Others, however, are subtle sa- sacramentarians, and these are the most harmful kind, who walk or who part talk our language very plausibly and claim to believe a true presence of the true essential and living body and blood of Christ in the Holy Supper, but assert that this takes place both spiritually by faith, but under this plausible terminology, they are really retain the former crass opinion of the Holy Supper, nothing but bread and wine are present and received with the mouth. To them, the word spiritual with quotes means no more than the presence of Christ's spirit or the power of Christ's absent body or his merit. They deny that the body of Christ is present in any manner or way, since in their opinion it is confined to the highest heaven above, whether we should ascend with the thoughts of our faith and there, but not in the bread and wine of the Holy Supper, seek the body and blood of Christ. And here are the affirmative theses. Confession of pure doctrine of the Holy Supper against the sacramentarians. One, we believe, teach, and confess that the Holy Supper of the body and blood of Christ are truly present and essentially present and are truly distributed and received in the bread and wine. Two, we believe, teach, and confess that the words of the, sacram- of the testament are of Christ are to be understood in no other way than their literal sense and not as though the bread symbolized the absent body in the wine in the absence in the absent blood of Christ, but because of the sacramentari- sacramentarian union, they are truly body and blood of Christ. Concerning uh, question three or statement three, concerning the consecration, we believe, teach, and confess that no man's work nor redaction of the minister f- affect this presence of the body and blood of Christ in the Holy Supper, but it is ascribed solely and alone to the almighty power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Four, but at the same time, we believe, teach, and confess that one accord that in the celebration of the Holy Supper, the words of Christ's institution should under no circumstances be omitted, but should publicly be spoken publicly as it is written, the cup of blessings which we bless. This is noted in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 11, 23 through 25. This blessing occurs when the recitation of the words of Christ. Statement five, the grounds of which we stand on this controversy with the sacramentarians, those which Dr. Luther proposed in his great confession. The first ground of this article of our Christian faith, Jesus Christ is true, essential, natural, complete God and man in one person, inseparable and undivided. The second ground is God's right hand is everywhere. Christ is really and truly at the right hand of God, according to the human nature, rules presently and has his hands and under his feet everything on heaven and earth. No human being, no angel, but only Mary's son is so set down at the right hand of God, hence whence he was able to do all these things. The third ground is that God's word is not false and does not lie. The fourth ground is that God's word God has and knows various modes of being at a given place and 
not only the single mode in which the philosophers call logic or spartial. So there's, a, a again, another handful of questions here. I'm going to read a couple more of them, and then we have our antithesis to cover. So questions, or statement six here. We believe, teach, and confess that the bread and wine and the body of Christ are received, but uh, not only spiritually by faith, but also orally. However, not in a capernatic manner, but because of the sacramentarian union in a supernatural and heavenly manner. The words of Christ teach this clearly when they direct us to take, eat, and drink all that which took place in case of the apostles, since this is written, and they all drank of it. Mark fourteen twenty three. Likewise, St. Paul says, The bread in which we break is, not a is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That is, however, whoever eats uh, of the body of Christ. This has also been unanimous teaching in the early church fathers, such as Christostom, Cyprian, Leo I, Gregory, Ambrose, and Augustine. So again, a handful more of statements, but for time's sake and my breath and my voice uh, crackling, I'm going to just jump into the antithesis. And, and as I did with the baptismal stuff, uh, and really with any of the things we've done in the book of Concord, you know, I'm just reading the statements here. So you, by all means, go and get a book of Concord or go online and look at, you know, the, the formula and read these if you have, you know, questions or you want to, you know, see it in your face as you're listening to this show. And I don't omit a ton of stuff, um, but I try to just do it for the sake of time, really. So this is the antithesis, the contrary and condemned doctrine of the sacramentarians. On the other hand, we unanimously reject and condemn all the following errors, which are contrary and contradictory to the doctrine set forth above and to our simple faith and confession of Christ's supper. 1. The palpalistic transubstantiation, which is taught by the palpacy, that the bread and wine in the Holy Supper lose their substance and natural essence, and thus annihilated, in such a way that they are transmuted into the body of Christ, and that only the exterior appearance remains. The palpalistic sacrifice of the Mass for the sins of the living and the dead, the administration of only one kind of sacrament to the laity, and the withholding of the cup from them, contrary to the clear word of Christ's testament, so that they are deprived of the blood of Christ. I want to make that statement there very known to you, because if you go and listen earlier in this episode, when we read the small called articles, and Luther said the one form, that is what he's talking about. The Roman Catholic Church would withhold the blood of Christ. They would not give the full sacrament, so they were only giving one form, which was the bread. So they'd give the bread to the people, and then they would keep the wine for themselves. So it's funny enough that Paul actually writes against stuff like that in first Corinthians 11, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. All right. Uh, statement four, we have the teaching that the words of Christ's Testament are not to be understood or believed in a simple sense as they read, but also they are dark sayings whose meanings must first be sought in other passages. Five, that the Holy Sacrament of the body of Christ is not only received is not received orally with the bread, but with the mouth we receive only bread and wine, that we receive the body of Christ only spiritually by faith. Remember, these are statements that we reject. 
the bread and wine of the Holy Supper are no more than tokens whereby Christians recognize one another. Statement 7. The bread and wine are only figures, images, and types of far distant body of Christ. So there's a whole plethora of things here. Uh, we're going to jump down a few notches here. We're going to go to statement 13. That God, even with his omnipotence, is unable, a dreadful statement, to cause his body to essentially pre- present, uh, to essentially be present at more than one place at any single given time. That, I think, is the statement that is just, that's just the, the that's, that's the, the shocker. We, you know, especially in, in many of the Protestant groups, Reformed and, 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 and else, they would adhere that God is omnipotence, which would mean God is present everywhere. So if God is present everywhere, then he certainly can be present in the bread and wine as we partake in the sacrament. How can he be present everywhere, but not there? How is he limited? How are we limiting God? It's a very dreadful statement indeed. Statement 14, that faith and not the omnipotent words of Christ's testament affect and cause this presence in the body of Christ in the Holy Supper. 15, that the believers should not seek the body of Christ in the bread and wine of the Holy Supper, but should lift their eyes from the bread to heaven and there seek the body of Christ. Uh, And finally, we're going to jump down to statement 21. Accordingly, we herein condemn without any qualification of the Capernautic eating in of the body of Christ as though one rent Christ's flesh with one's teeth and digested it with other food. The sacramentarians deliberately insist on crediting us with this doctrine against the witness of their own consciences over our many protests in order to make our teaching obnoxious to their hearers. On the contrary, in accord with these simple words of Christ's testament, we hold and believe in, tr- in a true, though supernatural, eating of Christ's body and drinking of his blood, which we cannot comprehend in our human sense or reason. Here we take our intellectual captive, our intellect captive, and in obedience to Christ, as we do in other articles also, and accept this mystery in no other way by faith, as it is revealed in the Word. So I'm going to wrap it on this here today so we're going to look at the large catechism there's a lot of statements there and we'll probably pick through some of those it might be a shorter episode we i don't know if we're gonna go through all 100 plus lines um, but there's a lot that luther digs up in that so uh, again i apologize for the kind of that monotone draggy voice i really uh, hope and pray that by next week i'm back to normal and you guys can be uh, enjoying my, you know, the normal <laughs> structure of show, if you would. So, uh, until Friday, guys, have a great week. God bless. I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, remember to share and follow, subscribe to this podcast, and leave us a review if you would. Until then, have a great week. We'll see you later.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.